Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. So we made it through Thanksgiving, we made it through the first week of December, and I tell you, I still can't handle all of the Christmas stuff happening constantly. (laughs) It does feel like it's early for that, but I think part of that might be for us, because the weather has been a bit warmer and nicer than usual. Right. So it doesn't quite feel Christmassy yet. We've had a couple of snow dustings, but... It's already St. Nick's Day. I know. So it's like it, it it's it's happening. Like Christmas is happening. Right. But I feel like completely just unprepared for it this year. Yeah, and I mean the fact that there's only a few weeks left in 2015 is also kind of alarming. Yeah. No, it makes me question my uh my life choices. It it does for me too. So now, okay, Mike, you you did a marathon this year and I did a half marathon. Yes. And we were working hard toward those goals. Agreed. And then we did those things and not, and then we sort of went wild over the Thanksgiving holiday. And now, do you have anything fun or any exciting goals that you've restarted? Or are you waiting until the new year for that? Or No, I've already, I've already started. Um, I wanted to feel a little more healthy by the time the new year rolled around. So it wasn't that desperate. Like sometimes I'll step on the scale. And I know weight is just a number. That's why I use the body fat percentage scale or whatever, too. So that's not just okay. that's not just a number. That's telling me how fat I am, actually. And so I step on that on December 31st, and I have like a little gulp. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like you kind of say, like, oh, my God, what happened? <laughs> I have more work to do than I thought I did. Yeah, like, holy cow. So I, wa- I, I, I restarted yeah. early working on my fitness. I'm joining a new gym that starts this week. Every day in November, I worked out. And so that's my goal for December too. It's wow, to keep that kind of fitness going. And also meditation. I've decided to try to meditate every day. And I'm, I usually am pretty good at that, except after a night of drinking. Uh-huh, okay. So then like you wake up and you're yeah. hungover and your head's spinning and all that kind of stuff is happening. <laughs> and that's the time when you actually need it the most. I don't need it when I'm having a calm day. Fair enough, yeah. To be able to, to settle your mind down and especially when it's in a... A disrupted state like that from all the chemical right, especially when abuse. you <laughs> when you beat your mind the night before up. Yeah. So I, yeah, the meditation one and that's a that's a great goal. I understand. I'm well aware of of the benefits of meditation, mm-hmm. and I've done it myself. I've on a number of occasions I've set that as a goal, and I've forced myself to do it every day. And I got to say, that's a tough one. It's a tough one to do because you really got to make the time, and you really need to block out all the distractions. And with our smartphones and everything else going on. It's that in and of itself is a challenge, but then to be able to sit there and calm your mind and try to stop the chatter, it's, it's very tricky. It's almost trickier than exercising. I think it is pretty tricky, especially because like the meditation apps I use are on my smartphone. Ooh. So the thing is like, if you even pick it up and you start to see notifications, then you're like, Oh, what's this about? But don't you put it in airplane mode or something when you do that? Uh, well, no, I mean, do not disturb actually all of the time now. And then I just check the notifications every once in a while. So if you're, not, if you're in Do Not Disturb, like new notifications don't show up, but it's the old ones from overnight. So let's say I wake up, like today I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and I look at my phone. I'm like, oh, I'll hit my meditation. And I already see that 
10 emails have come in, five text messages have come in I see. and all that kind of okay. stuff. So you have to fight. So you can't start the day with a fresh mind. You have to fight that urge, not even to, to look. There's got to be a way, though, to make those notifications not appear until after you've done your meditation. Yes, I will have to seek it out. But I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good at, to just turn it off and things like that. And then so just turning off your mind for a little while and saying like, you know what, this, this time belongs to me. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It doesn't belong to work. It doesn't belong to the podcast. It doesn't belong to figuring out things. Like, it's just, this time belongs to me. And then it's free. Yeah. And there's so often that you don't do that, that it's... That's right. So how long of a uh, time period do you try to meditate for? Like 15 minutes. Okay, that's good. So I try 15, 20 minutes, and you just try to think like, I'm not going to think about anything for a little bit. And then when something comes yeah. up, you're like you know what? I'll think about that later. Like that, this, this really belongs to me. The rest of my day, my mind can belong to someone else. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, any amount of meditating is better than no meditating. <laughs> so sure. they say, you know, if you only have a few minutes, then just try it for a few minutes. So yeah, even 30, well, good 30 luck. seconds of deep breathing, I think can help. That's helpful. Yeah. Too. And I, and I have to, I have to remember to do that. So like today, Today I'm a man full of rage, and I don't even know what I'm mad at. I, just, <laughs> I think Mike. I think about every project and all the things and 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 all the people you need to figure you know figure out and work with and stuff. And you just I work myself up to like a red hot ball of rage because I'm just like gosh darn it, you know. And so then I just think like let's have thirty seconds of breathing here, and then realize that none of this stuff is really that important, and you just have to not worry about it. And it, it re- it's Sounds really like somebody might need a retreat. Yeah, I think so. But that's so obviously that's why I'm trying to make sure that I get my my meditation time in. And this does have to do with our topic this week. We're going to be talking about the mind at some point today. And uh, yeah, that's right. And, and sorry, I get a little I get a little excited. I love resolutions. and I love I, um, set, like goal setting and, and that type of habit formation. So I'm always interested to hear what people are. Sure doing and so that's 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 my two that i make sure i'm gonna do every day in december no matter what even on christmas i can take 15 minutes to do push-ups and crap like that and 15 minutes where i don't have to listen to anybody talk or whatever and just that's why god invented headphones that's yeah sounds healthy yeah and so what what are you rest are you restarting anything well, I'm kind of in the process right now of reviewing. I have a ton of things that I want to do. Right now, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed by all the different things I want to do that I'm kind of having trouble narrowing it down to just a few to focus the time on so I can actually make headway okay. on them. So okay. most of the year, I've been doing you know push-ups every day and squats and that kind of stuff. Sweet. So that's my jump out of bed first thing in the morning. Don't even, I don't even let myself look at the phone until I have it done. That way, it makes it easier to, to not procrastinate. So... That's a small thing that I, I'll probably continue to do, but I'm, I'm kind of working on mapping out my, my goals and my, the new habits that I want to form in the new year. So sure. Well, I th- I'll, I'll update you on that once I get it all figured out, but I think the meditation should be on there. Yeah. I, th- I think the mind is a terrible thing to waste and uh, mm. I've done my best to waste it in a lot of different ways, <laughs> but sometimes you just need to get that baby quieted down. That's right. Anyway, so that's... That's fun. So it is, it is uh, exciting to do meditation. It is exciting to get goals and think about 2016 because we are less than uh, 30 days away. And uh, yeah, and 2016 is coming like a freight train right down on you. Coming at you. Yeah, and, and, it, and you know who's driving the train? 
Who's driving it? The Grim Reaper. Whoa. Yeah, the Grim Reaper is <laughs> so coming. True. So make sure, you know, I think when people talk about the Stoics, and I know that Tim Ferriss talks about this in his podcast a lot. All the time. Yeah, when, yeah. And his podcast also goes on about an hour and a half too long every episode. But when he talks about the Stoics, the important thing is that reminder of your mortality in that don't waste your time because pretty soon there's going to be no time to waste. So I really, uh, I really like that aspect of it. Ryan Holiday uh, wrote a book called Trust Me, I'm Lying, which is a great marketing book. And it's really interesting on how he, he kind of made some of these new media personalities happen through the idea of his, his marketing genius and being able to infiltrate like blogs and TV shows and stuff like that. Anyway, he said that he learned from Robert Greene, the guy who wrote The 48 Laws of Power and also a UW graduate. So, Han- yeah, University of Wisconsin, Robert Greene. <laughs> he says that, like, Robert Greene, like, told him, but just remind yourself of your mortality every day. And that's, that's a great way to kick yourself into gear. I mean, obviously, there's going to be yes. some days where you sit around and just watch Netflix. Like, that's always going to happen. But instead of letting your life kind of pass you by, like, jump in right away and do that. And, I, yeah. and I'm excited to do that in 2016. And it's true that, you know, you have those moments where you... You'll have a shakeup, you know, a tragedy strikes someone, you know, or you'll have like a, a health scare or something like that. And it, it makes you think like, oh, man, whoa, I might almost be out of time here. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you really don't think about it on a daily basis. And those are the times that really get you going and get you. Right. Well, it's kind of like I woke up and December was already here. And it's like, oh, remember mm-hmm. when 2015 was full of promise and excitement? It's like, well, it's fresh. It's time for the culmination of that promise and excitement. So. That's why we're doing the podcast, and that's why we talk about fun topics like the most successful author of all time. Who do you think the most successful author of all time is, Wendy? Oh, man. Is it Dr. Seuss? Nah, Dr. Seuss actually is a good guess. And, you know, I think, I think J.K. Rowling would be a good guess, too, because um, she's worth, like, $11 billion. Like, J.K. Rowling <laughs> is worth more money than, I think she's the richest woman. Is she richer than Oprah? She might be richer than Oprah. No. Yeah, I think J.K. Rowling might be richer than Oprah. But anyway, she's in the top three richest women wow. on the planet. So you think, well, must be J.K. Rowling. Because that Harry Potter stuff is like magic. The kids love it. Yeah, it's true. But really, the most successful author of all time, besides Jesus in the Bible, is... He didn't write the Bible. No, his buddies did. Or, I mean, or people after his, but like Moses helped, <laughs> right. like Moses wrote the first, you know, five chapters or whatever, the Pentateuch. Um, uh, but yeah, JC, it's kind of like JC had ghostwriters, you know, he told the stuff and then they kind of wrote it down. Kind of like how celebrity, oh, okay. kind of like how celebrities do biographies. So, so it's, it's Agatha Christie, Dame Agatha Christie, Woo-hoo. known as the queen of crime. She wrote 66 detective novels over her life. And six romances. She was a romance writer, too. I've never read any of the romances. But Agatha Christie... Never? No, none of her romances. And oh, I've only... okay. I've uh, only read, actually, a couple of her novels. And I've mostly just seen television and film adaptations of her work. Okay. And actually, when I was a little kid, I ordered the Time Life Agatha Christie collection or something like that. <laughs> Naughty. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, our time, our time Life used to have a bunch of books and you get the first one free. And it was just like those record company subscription service yeah. thing. So they send you a new book every month and then you, you just automatically pay for it. And I saw the Agatha Christie one on television and I, 
I called and I ordered it. And they didn't even like, I don't even think they checked like my age or anything like that. And maybe I was nine. And uh, that's hilarious. I think my parents made me return it, but I still read it. (laughs) Murder on the Orient Express was the first one. Oh, okay. Cool. But it was just one of those time life collections where it comes. And so I remember ordering that when I was a little kid and I was all excited when it came because I got a package. And when you're a little kid, unless it's your birthday, you never get packages, you know, so. Right. It's so exciting. It's a massive event. Yeah. You go crazy. Like, I got a package. And so uh, my only package was a uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which I could have gotten at the library for free. Sure. Oh, boy. So some of her detectives, like uh, Hercule Poirot is the most famous one. He's a Belgian detective. And they made all of the Hercule Poirot uh, stories for mystery if you ever watched that mystery show that was on PBS, I used to love that on Saturday nights. And so, yes. So why are we talking about Agatha Christie today, Mike? Okay, we're, we're, I'm excited about Agatha Christie, and I could talk about her forever because she's such a great novelist. But we're talking about her because today is the 89th anniversary of her disappearance. That's right, and today is we're recording this on Thursday, December 3rd, so it is the actual anniversary. Yes. And uh, she disappeared for a period of 11 days in 1926, and nobody knew what happened to her. And so, well, let, let's set it up a little bit. Okay. So, so by this time in 1926, she's already a successful novelist. And she's been married for a few years, has a child. She was a nurse in the First World War. She married a First World War, like, hero kind of guy. So, you know, Agatha Christie was already a successful novelist at this point, and she was famous, kind of like, well, kind of like how J.K. Rowling is famous now for Harry Potter, kind of like how Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was famous in the early 20th century because of Sherlock Holmes. So you have a famous author that all of a sudden disappears, and nobody knows what happens to her, okay? They find her car the next day, her car is like down by a lake. So she's gone. There's just a, her car and some clothes strewn about in it. They think there's some kind of accident. They think there's some kind of foul play. And of course they're going to think it's some kind of foul play because she's the one who is writing about people killing each other. And so the story almost writes itself. Murder mystery novelist disappears in a murder mystery. Whoa. It's so meta. Yeah. And so she disappears And then, all of a sudden, the newspapers catch wind of it, and it becomes like a media firestorm over the next 11 days. They say that a thousand policemen were sent to search for her. Whoa. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is known to love psychics and mediums and the occult. That's right. he, He takes her glove, and he takes it to a psychic medium, seeing if she can help find Cool. Agatha Christie. Did she have any good words? Um, we don't know what this. I don't think the psychic had anything, oh, any help. Okay. Probably because, well, this is a spoiler. I mean, you are, you guys already know what happens because Agatha Christie wrote like 50 novels afterwards. She's, mm-hmm. she's, she's found. And she's found at a spa. Um, <laughs> she's found at like this spa hotel in Harrogate, England. And she says that she doesn't remember anything of what happened beforehand. It was so horrible. They first they they put the hot stones on me, and then they, right. Oh, and, they, <laughs> and then they did the seaweed wrap, and then they polished all my nails. Right, and and uh, Spanish hunk Mario 
<laughs> rubbed the memory right out of me. And so, no, and so this happened. She just found and says she doesn't remember anything. And that's the whole thing. Like, okay, how could she have amnesia? People thought, it's like, well, she got in that car crash and she just wandered around for 11 days until she found herself at a spa. But she had a money belt on her. So why would she? She's like, oh, I, I, I always have a money belt on me. Yeah. What, is that weird? No, it's not weird. I carry I got a money belt on right now. It's, but maybe back then it was more common. I don't know. Sure. I, it's, it's just got change in it. It's the change belt, pretty much. It's the change belt so I can take the bus belt. Yeah. And Agatha Christie says, oh, I can't remember anything. And people are saying, well, what happened? Was this some kind of paranormal thing? Were you, were you taken away? They were all ready to blame her husband for her disappearance and her husband for her murder. For sending her to the spa? Well, he didn't send her to the spa. He didn't know anything about it. It was very suspicious. <laughs> oh, okay. It was very okay. suspicious. And the thing was, her husband was, was a philanderer. Okay? Her husband was um, uh. not the world's most faithful husband. And so he actually had asked her for a okay. di- He had asked her for a divorce earlier in the year. He was in love with a woman named Nancy Neal. And, well, a funny thing is, Agatha Christie had checked in to the uh, the Harrogate Spa as a Teresa Neal. Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah, so she had taken the last name of her husband's mistress to check huh. into the spa. Curious. Right. So doctors diagnosed her as suffering from amnesia during the like so the doctors said, "Oh yeah, no, she has amnesia. She can't remember anything." And a few years ago, there was an author a British writer who said that she was suffering from a fugue state. A fugue state? Yeah, and this is where I said we were going to get into our mind. Oh. So let's get the, uh, the definition of the fugue yeah. state. According to the DSM-5, which is the uh, American Psychological Association, their uh, diagnostic and statistical manual. It is a rare psychiatric disorder characterized by reversible amnesia for personal identity, including the memories, personality, and other identifying characteristics of individuality. The state is usually short-lived, ranging from hours to days, but can last months longer. It usually involves unplanned travel or wandering, and it's sometimes accompanied by the establishment of a new identity. It used to be its own state in the old psychiatric manuals, but now it says it's part of something called dissociative amnesia. Okay. Mm. For you non-psychic, uh, psychology, for you non-psychics, actually, I know we probably have more psychics listening to this than we have ah, psychology majors. That's true. And I meant to say for you non-psychology majors, Disassociative amnesia is that you forget who you are and you become someone else. Sometimes I wish I could do that. Yeah. Well, people wish it so much that it happens to them. And that's the whole thing. So this is spoilers for the first season of Breaking Bad to everybody. But okay. So Walt in Breaking Bad gets kidnapped by Tuco. Remember Tuco? Crazy meth dealer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Scary guy. Right. Hard to forget about Tuco. He was pretty sweet. And well, not pretty sweet. It was a pretty sweet character. Nobody's <laughs> right. like, yeah, Tuco rocks. He was, a, he was a very memorable character. Yes. Yes. And he even he shows up in Better Call Saul, too. That's um, right. So Jesse and Walt get kidnapped by Tuco. 
And then Jesse, does, I mean, he's just a meth dealer. His parents don't even want him. Like when he comes back after being missing for a few days, nobody cares. But Walt's a beloved chemistry teacher with a family. And he comes back after being kidnapped in Mexico by Tuco. And he has to pretend that he doesn't remember what happened to him. He has to show up and be like, you know, I don't know where I was. I don't know what happened to me. Like he was some kind of alien abductee or something like that. Mm-hmm. So what the psychologist in the show says is like, oh, it was a fugue state. He goes off for a few days, loses his memory, becomes a different person. And the fugue state was caused by his previous cancer diagnosis. So triggered by the yeah the trauma from and that's that's exactly what they said happened to agatha christie on december 3rd 1926 and so okay what what do we what do we not believe here yeah that's curious i mean (laughs) so there are famous fugue states that have happened to people do you ever see a movie called sybil no okay it's sally field playing someone with a multiple personality disorder we'll be talking whenever we do an episode on the myths surrounding multiple personality disorder which also lead into uh legends of possession over time and we we all know what multiple personality disorder is right there's there's several people living inside you right so like i could be mike right now but later on i'm talking to somebody and, and i'm trixie the the hooker from in front of red letter news on east washington and madison okay and it's like it's like oh my god but it's still and me. And you totally encompass that person, like if they have an accent or whatever movements or personality characteristics right. they have. Your mind creates memories for that. Per- that person exists oh. as a different character inside of you. Yeah. Obviously, I would not be very believable as Trixie because I have a beard and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so nobody would be like, oh, yeah, you know, she's great. But you can have people of different genders, of different ages, the whole thing. Different characters inside your head, you all of a sudden embody that and have memories for them. Well... Shirley Ardell Mason, who is the uh, the character that Sybil, the movie, was based on, she would disappear and reappear with no recollection of what happened. And she's another person they say, like, okay, this is a fugue state happened. Um, somebody named Jody Roberts, who worked for the Tacoma News Tribune, disappears in 1985, found 12 years later in Alaska, living under a name of Jane D. Williams. Now, some people think she'd been faking amnesia, but some people believe that she actually had a fugue state. And this seems to happen to different people. You know, there's like maybe 10 cases. It, it happens more in TV than it happens anywhere else. It happens in Doctor Who. There's a care. And we'll talk about Doctor Who because Doctor Who has their own explanation for what happened to Agatha Christie as well. But there's, oh, a, cool. there's a character on Doctor Who that goes into a fugue state, the mentalist, Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman, uh, One Tree Hill, Scandal, Archer, Under the Dome, even Teen Wolf, that, that MTV remake of Teen Wolf, somebody enters the fugue state. So the thing is, while there's maybe 10 reported cases, famous cases in history, it happens in television all the time. <laughs> and so could, you know, yeah, because it's an easy way to make different kind of plots occur without having... It's an easy way to explain strange things that happen. Yeah, think about, think about how often it happens in soap operas. People get amnesia in soap oh, operas gosh. all the time. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, right. And, like there's a plot twist or a character leaves or, you know, one of the actors decides they're not going to work with them anymore. And all of a sudden they use that as a, sort yeah, of a way to explain it. He comes it. back after six months and amnesia is the plot point for it. So the thing is, is that psychologists have, they do diagnose that some people actually go into a disassociative fugue state. One movie 
actually shows the character, actually changes the, the person that plays the character when they go into that state. Wow. So David Lynch is the man that brought us Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet, Dune. He likes to make very dreamlike movies, very crazy movies. David Lynch does. And his movies are all usually pretty good. But um, he made a movie called Lost Highway in about 1997. Great soundtrack. Nine Inch Nails did a song called The Perfect Drug for Lost Highway. Oh, right. I remember that. I mean, awesome video, awesome song. And Lost Highway, the main character all of a sudden changes in the middle of the film. That's got to be kind of confusing. Oh, it's not, you know, aware of what the director's doing or whatever. It's completely confusing. I had to talk about it for like two hours after I saw the movie (laughs) because I couldn't figure out like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? I mean, Bill Pullman, Lone Star from Spaceballs is the main character for most of the movie. And then all of a sudden he's um, like some actor who I don't even know. Okay. And all of a sudden the main character becomes like a jazz saxophonist into some weird actor. And you're following him around and you're like, why is this happening? What's going on? It, it's never explained. Yeah. You know, it's just like a really bad confusing. dream. And so the theory behind the movie is, is that it's showing the Bill Pullman character go into this fugue state of him becoming someone completely different with a different life for a few days because he's in, like he goes to jail. And when he's in jail, he's living this fantasy life in this fugue state. And that's the, like, he truly believes he is that person. Well, that's the thing. That's, that's the whole point. And, and this is why I think it would be difficult for anyone to prove. Because oh, if, yeah. if you've done something, let's say you've done something horrible. Or let's say you've had something horrible happen to you. Let's not, make, let's not always make it so, let's say you've done, so <laughs> You're let's, a bad person. So let's say you killed your wife. Um, no. So, you know, let's say you've had something bad happen to you. Now, Agatha Christie is not someone who believed in divorce. She did not want to get divorced at all from her husband who was a no, no good, low-down, dirty cheater. <laughs> well, at the same time, though, he was also a great warrior in World War, II, uh, World uh-huh. War I. So, obviously, the two sides to every person. He wasn't, he wasn't very good to Agatha or her, her child. And all of a sudden, your husband tells you, I want to leave you. This is over. Okay. And then you try to save it, whatever you can. And then he finally says, this is the final thing. Well you might break psychologically just i think agatha could have used a little daily meditation myself <laughs> she could have downloaded the calm app and just yeah, taken 15 nice. minutes out of her day yeah but i mean i i could see where a woman in that situation could be very very stressed out i mean i don't know to the extent of of triggering something like that but you know well, it wasn't me. How am I supposed to? <laughs> right. But that's the thing is like, so no laws were broken, but how much money was wasted in going to search for? Her? Oh, right. With a thousand police. And I mean, that's crazy. It reminded me when you first brought that up, what came to mind right away was uh, the girl here in Madison that kind of faked her own disappearance. And then she appeared in the Arboretum and had this whole story of being kidnapped and everything. And that ended up all being false. But yes, it. I'm with you 100%. It's completely like her. Audrey Sealer. That was it. Was yes, her name. They, and it was a total, the town was up. I mean, they had, the belt line was stopped. They had like snipers yeah. <laughs> looking for people. I mean, it was a, a whole tragedy. It was awful. And they had helicopters and search, search teams out. I mean, it was massive. 
so massive let, waste of resources. <laughs> so let's jump in the Wayback Machine. Let's go back to 2003 and spend some time with Audrey Sealer. <laughs> yes, because we're, we're, we're in Madison, Wisconsin, for those who don't know. So this, this is why we both are so familiar with this case. And Audrey, Audrey Sealer is a University of Wisconsin-Madison student who all of a sudden nobody sees her for a few days. You know, she's gone. No one can find her. And the city goes into, because things don't really happen. And we have a murder in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a big deal. Like, this is the kind of place where, like, less than five murders take place in a year, if that many. So when something happens, especially to a University of Wisconsin student, everybody goes crazy. Now, whether, it, whether it's good that they decide to go in an uproar for University of Wisconsin students versus the regular population or things like that, like that's, that's, a, that's a moral judgment that I'm not making here. But I'm just telling you what happens is that people go crazy when something happens to a student. Sure, right. So Audrey Sealer disappears and there's a manhunt and this is national. This is, C- this is on CNN. This is like Nancy Grace hosting like the live footage and things and this is happening while we're on tour in the spring of 2003 so our band Wendy my band Sunspot is on tour at the time and I believe we're in Canada when the manhunt for Audrey Sealer is going on the woman hunt was it yeah okay because I remember we were answering que- we were playing in Toronto and we were answering questions because like CNN was on and they were showing Audrey Sealer and we were talking to a bartender about, oh, yeah, that's where we're from. And she was found a few days later and found to be completely faking it. So they have her on camera, like going, buying the duct tape and the things used to try to, you know, to try to convince people she was tied up and everything like they, they have her on camera going to these places and buying that stuff. And I don't think she realized that this manhunt would be as crazy as it was. Right. I mean, and in that case... It ended up being that she actually just faked it, right? I mean, I don't think there was any psychological thing going on there, but it's the type of thing where you could, you know, wonder if something like that was caused by some kind of psychological... Well, obviously it was caused by some kind of psychological disorder. Well, right. You don't just pretend you're kidnapped. Like, it's like, okay, I'm failing chemistry. I'm going to pretend I'm kidnapped so I don't have to take this report card home to my parents. Yeah, that's crazy. Like how afraid you have to be of the truth. And I appreciate that. There were moments in my life where I was like, you know what? I'd like to run. Yeah. How am I going to do this? Yeah. Um, I never really thought about faking my disappearance, but that's a cool, that's a cool idea. Like, anyway, I'm, oh, I just said this like on tape. I'm like, yeah, it'd be sweet to fake my death or something like that, like to run away. But yeah, so I guess what happens is... <laughs> nice. Not happening ever to you now, buddy. Right. What happens is if I go, if, if I die early or something like that, then they're going to come after me. So I'm going to have to make it really convincing. Like the end of The Dark Knight Returns. No, the end of um, The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. So Audrey Sealer is our own Agatha Christie in Madison, Wisconsin. And the thing is, she was found with nothing wrong either. You know, she's just, she's at this spa and everything's fine and at the hotel. And what happened was, like, there was somebody in one of the bands. So they had bands playing at this hotel. Somebody in one of the bands Sweet. recognizes her. At the spa? Yeah. So there's music at the spa. And then so somebody at the spa is like, hey, because the thing is, she's all over. And there's a famous picture, yeah. like, her in different, like, that could be different disguises and things. And <laughs> Go band, dude. Yeah. And so the band's like, I, I think I know that woman. Hey, I know her. Yeah, so he comes up and talks to her. And, you know, by that time, I think she'd given up. She's like, okay. And 
she checked in as Teresa Neal, the same same name as her husband's mistress, and finally she gets found and then says, "Oh, I don't I don't remember anything that happens." And then 2 years later she divorces Archie. I can see why they probably wouldn't want to be together after that because first of all he's a cheater and second of all she goes crazy and runs away and the entire nation starts looking for her afterwards. And it's funny that this is very similar to the story Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. That was a very popular book about two years ago. Okay. It's a great book, so I recommend you guys reading it. And I I don't want to spoil it, so maybe skip the next two minutes if you haven't read the book because it's a fantastic Wait, I haven't read it or seen the movie. You're going to spoil it. Yeah, I'm going to spoil it for my co-host. I guess you can close your ears if you'd like. (laughs) So in the book, a woman fakes her own disappearance. Everybody thinks that her husband killed her. She's famous. He's not. And in the end, they have to end up back together and reconciled. So it's this whole thing of she's trying to get at him for cheating on her, for doing bad things to her. But in the end, it turns around and you find out they're both horrible people. <laughs> so, so was it inspired by the Agatha Christie thing or perhaps no one's ever? Not directly, but okay. I, think, I think that people have made that connection. That it's, yeah. it's completely like Agatha Christie's disappearance, except for la- it lasts for months and not days. And she comes back and has a whole story of being abducted by her friend and stuff like that instead of saying, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny. Agatha Christie's grandson, I was uh, to prepare for this, I was watching a, a, an interview with him. And I mean, he seems like a, a delightful British gentleman, first of all. But at the same time, he's like, oh, yeah. You know, if you'd have known my grandmother... You'd have known she was never capable of something like this, of a publicity stunt. You know, they were saying that she was doing it uh, to create a publicity stunt to to drum up sales of her books. And you got to say, when you are national news and you're on the front of the newspaper every single day for 12 days, well, you can't buy publicity like that. Oh, goodness. No. So was it a publicity stunt? Well, she's not going to say. He's like, oh, she could never dream of that. Oh, no, not my grandmother. No, give me a break. Like... She dreamed of 66 different ways of people being murdered. She helped define the detective story and the murder mystery as we know it. I think her imagination was pretty good, you know? Definitely. That's part of what makes such a good author. I mean, (laughs) Mm -hmm. now we got a couple of, you know, like of uh, fictionalized retellings of what happened during her disappearance. Oh, fun. Okay. So there's a 1979 movie by uh, director Michael Apted, who's famous from making the 7-Up series of films, which follows a whole bunch of British children from the time they're seven and comes back to them every seven oh, years. Oh, yeah. And we have one of the characters from the 7-Up films actually is in Madison. Really? Yeah, Nick the physicist. I he, didn't know that. When he's seven years old, he talks about, he's like, I like to see the moon and all that. Aw, that's and then so cute. 49 years later... He's a professor at the UW, and actually he used to go to my, uh, my wife used to work as a barista, and so she would have to serve him his tea and newspaper every single day. <laughs> like he had a cookie nice. and a tea. Like very, just very uh, British of him though, to have that yeah, tea and totally. cookie every day. <laughs> oh, so anyway, so Michael Apted is famous for those films, and those are great movies. And he also, he directed one of the James Bond films, one of the later Pierce Brosnan and James Bond films, and he's done up, I mean, people love him as a director, he's a great director, but... He made a 1979 movie called Agatha. 
and that had Vanessa Redgrave as Agatha Christie, Timothy Dalton as Archie, her philandering husband. And so in that movie, it depicts her planning her suicide to frame her husband's mistress for the murder. Oh, wow. That's, that's a very extreme. And so there's an American reporter played by Dustin Hoffman, and he follows her, and he stops the plan. And uh, it outraged her heirs so much that they tried to sue the, they tried to sue the film yeah, company. Yeah, because that doesn't really paint her in a very nice light. Right. <laughs> but you know it's going to be fiction because, I, I mean, Dustin Hoffman's a charming enough actor. I just can't see Vanessa Redgrave falling in love with him or whatever. Like, or I just, you know, it's, they should have been like, obviously, this is fiction. Vanessa Redgrave, proud, aristocratic, Dustin Hoffman, like a little guy who's usually kind of neurotic. Not Woody Allen neurotic, <laughs> but still fairly neurotic. Sure. But he was great in Tootsie. Okay. Uh, he was. Also, there's a Doctor Who episode called The Unicorn and the Wasp. And I actually forgot about this episode. And I'm, the, I'm in the vicinity of the world's biggest Doctor Who fans. And I forgot about this yes. episode when we were talking about it, that this had to do with her disappearance. Oh, wow. For this one, it's an alien that causes the disappearance. There's a, okay. a sec- yeah, there's a secret alien life form. And the whole thing takes place as like an Agatha Christie mystery. There's a murderer there and a big theft happens and somebody gets pregnant by an alien wasp and Agatha Christie almost dies, but she wakes up but gets amnesia from the whole thing. And then the doctor drops her off at the spa, you know, 10 days afterwards. Interesting. Yeah. I love the imagination uh, there. Right. So that's it all happens because she has an adventure with the doctor in the 1920s. (laughs) But I think that the fascinating thing from it is that she never gave it up. You know, she she stuck to her story till the day she died. She even writes an autobiography and just skips over it. So, I mean, from her viewpoint or her explanation of it, she just does she I mean, how does she explain it? I know you said that she just had amnesia, just woke up and didn't remember any of but did she remember the disappearance or how she vanished? Or? She gets in her car. Oh, right, right, right. The car. Drives away. Yeah, so she gets in the car and then her car is down a hill, this place called Silent Pool, a natural pond that actually had been the setting in one of her books. And the first thing the police did was actually they thought that she had fallen into the lake. And so they dredged the whole lake looking for her body and didn't wow. find it. So she's like, oh my I got in the car accident. And I just wandered off. And then I forgot everything. And so, and this is 89 years ago tonight. I can't, you know, that's fun to think. It's not fun to think about it. I'm, it's yeah, not, it is. it's fun to think about it. But I can imagine the pain that this woman was going through. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh God, like what's going to, like, here's what I believe. Okay, what's your thought? I believe she wanted to get back at her husband and this was the best way to do it. She would have stayed gone as long as possible in order for him to feel the heat of did you kill your wife because you wanted to marry this? Because he eventually married Nancy. Neal. Right. Oh, gosh. So he eventually married his mistress. And did you did you kill your wife because of that? You know, and she was making a real life one of her books. And I think that she, she I think it was life imitates art. She goes mm-hmm. in, creates this mystery, and then maybe she'd come back at some point. Like, I don't think she probably wanted to see the father of her child be like executed or something like that. 
but I bet she did want to see him squirm a little bit. She's just hurt. You never know. Hell hath no fury. Yes. Yeah, right. And she's as scorned as they get, you know, yeah. made made a fool of. And then she comes back and even tries to save their marriage and he won't do it. And she's the powerful one in the marriage because she's the one who's wealthy of their books. She's the one who's famous because Celebrity. she's an in- incredible author. And she doesn't have that control of making him love her. Okay. Well, and if I can't make you love me, then I'm going to destroy you. Wow. <laughs> That's quite a theory, Mike. Yeah. And then eventually she gets discovered. And then it's like, okay. And probably she changes her mind. Maybe she's not mad as she was that night. Mm-hmm. Like that night when she puts, because obviously it's not super well thought out. You know, she yeah, doesn't, right. she, she only has this hotel to go to where she uses a fake name. It's, it's not like she has like an escape. It's not like she left the country or had to do something where she had to show her passport, like go to the United States, because her yeah, father was a, like her father was an American citizen. Oh, okay. It's not like she was off in the woods hiding or something, you know. Right. She, not <laughs> Audrey Sealer style. Right. She's just <laughs> off in the woods by the Dane County Coliseum. But so I don't think it was a publicity stunt. I think it was a way to get back at her husband. She was upset, desperate, and did something like that. Was it a fugue state? It depends on what you believe. You know, do you think people can just have amnesia for and become a different person? I don't know. I, Who I knows? Never... And how do you prove it? If they, if you know, how do you prove it's that and just not them faking it? Right, and that's that's the thing. So when you think about that, the, I did read a really interesting story in Amnesia just last week, though, about a woman who lost fifteen years of her life. Whoa. It was a British woman. So maybe this thing only happens to British women. I don't know. It's, it's just a thing. It's like, it must be all that tea. And it must be in the crumpets. I think it's in the crumpets. <laughs> so there's a British woman who lost 15 years of her life just out of nowhere. She was 32 years old in 2007. So pretty much just maybe a year older than me. Yeah. Okay. That's a good argument for journaling. Yeah. Right. She was 32 years old in 2007. She wakes up and she thought she was uh, 15 again. Oh, my gosh. That and would I'm so- be weird. Yeah. And I th- I'm sorry. I think I did the math wrong. I think she was 30 in 2007. She was 15. So she was 15 years away. Okay. Anyway, that's, that's in the, here and there, there. But she woke up and then she couldn't believe that she was old. She looks in the <laughs> mirror. So scary. She looks in the mirror and she thought she was 15. You and- think you're in one of those movies where... You know, the, the young person in the old body, kind of like big or something like that. Right, right. She wakes, it, yeah, except it's not as cute as being turned into Tom Hanks or when um, Fred Savage changes places with his dad and like vice versa. Yeah, or, yeah. Or right. is that Kirk, there's Kirk, Kirk Cameron's in one too. Anyway. And the, isn't there one that 13, 13 going on 30 or 13 mm. uh, with what's her name? Jennifer Garner, right? Yes, that's it. Thank you. Okay, so I knew they made a new one of those. There was a whole bunch of body switching movies for a while <laughs> in the late 80s. Like, but that's what it sounds like. It sounds like a real life version of that. Yeah. And that sounds terrifying. <laughs> right, except not, except, okay, so Tom Hanks knew that he wanted to be big. Yeah, and he, I mean, it was Zoltair or whatever. Right, Zoltair. <laughs> gave him his wish. Zoltair. I think, didn't, weren't, didn't we play somewhere that had a, like a, like that actually had the Zoltan machine? I don't know. Probably. Like, I think we played with. I think we played somewhere that actually had the Zoltan machine. And I was like, "Oh my god, that's a machine from Big! Like, where would they even get that? That wasn't even that's real." Awesome. Well, um, maybe it was. We should have made a real 
serious wish on that then. I know we should have. So she eventually got her memories back, but it was several years and she thought she was still 15 years old again. She had kids and stuff. And so she was acting like it was normal for a little bit so she didn't freak the kids out. She thought she was in some kind of bad dream and that every day she would every day she would wake up when she went to bed, she would wake up and life would be normal again and she'd go back to high school or the A levels, whatever they call that stuff over there. So what caused that? Was there a tumor or was what would spawn something like that to happen? You know, I'm not ex- exactly sure. I don't remember that they explained it in the article. I mean, <laughs> okay. if, if she had a brain tumor or something that might have affected her brain like that, but yeah. She had the kind of amnesia where just one day she woke up and what I'd also be interested in learning too, and this they don't explain this quite in the article, is that did she have all her memories of being 15? Like think about, so when you're 15, could you remember all the classes you had? What do you mean? Okay. So you could remember that, okay, like when you're like 15. right you're, now, can I remember the classes I had when I was 15? That's correct. Doubtful. You know, you'd be like, okay, first period is Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. Oh gosh, Second no, period no. is English with Mr. Blah, blah, blah. And my school had a lot of blah, blah, blahs at it. And- <laughs> So could she remember that? Like, would it be like going back to when you were 15? Would your mind reset? And I don't think so. I think, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, in a previous episode about the malleability of memory and how our mind fills in the gaps. Yeah. You know, I bet she was thinking, like, if I go back to school, I have all these different teachers and it's just her mind fills in the gaps of who the teachers are. Like okay, you, sure. You know you had this teacher at some point. You know you had this teacher at some point. You yep. know you, you were friends with this person at some point. You could have just, like, they might all come together. And in, it's it's a distorted version of it, but your mind doesn't know that. So to you, that's just the way it is, and it's correct. Mm-hmm. Just like when you remember something that didn't actually happen, your mind still thinks it happened, right. whether yeah. it happened or not. <laughs> so I, I just thought that was a really interesting piece. And it kind of just leads to how fragile the mind can be that one day we can lose 15 years of her life. Like Agatha Christie, she could have lost 11 days of her life or she could have just been having a fit. She's got the right to have a fit. It's true. When her husband's a real jerk and her life feels like it's falling apart. That's absolutely, she's got the right to have a fit like that. But did she have the right to cost British taxpayers hundreds of thousands of pounds? Oh man. Yeah. You know, like I think Audrey Sealer had to pay back all of the money I, I do believe that was part of her sentence or whatever. Yeah. Which, and I mean, it just, to me, the worst part is just that if some, if, a, if an accident happened somewhere, somebody needed those emergency services and they're, they're off, you know, like scouting for her, that that's tragic. I mean. Right. Then she is indirectly responsible for the death yeah, of someone else. Right. Exactly. Or harm or whatever. But anyway, I agree. I mean, should it ruin the rest of her life? Like if she's like $200,000 in debt for what the city paid, should it ruin Audrey Sealer's life forever? No, people make mistakes and they should be. But, you know, make her pay for a little bit of it. Yeah. And I mean, the city, like the money it costs to get those helicopters up there and every all that, it's like, again, it's money that could be used for other things. You right? know, I, I think that she should pay for part of it. You know who I think should pay for the rest? Who? Cable news networks. Oh my gosh, yes. Because they got a whole bunch of free and easy content from Audrey Sealer. It's like, oh yeah, we didn't have to pay for witnesses or anything. We just, the writers just, you know, like we just had some reporters work on it. Right, yeah, that's so true. And because they got a whole bunch of of free stories, just nothing, and they they milk that stuff to death. Oh, they sure did. Just like they did with Agatha Christie's disappearance 89 years ago. 
from this date. This week's Sunspot song is dedicated to that woman who emerged from her car that Friday night in December 89 years ago and ran away from her fractured life. This is Agatha. For listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. A Spanish hunk Mario rubbed the memory right out of me.